What's your favorite thing out of Rescue Bot so far? Is this not feline sleepwear for cat's pajamas or something? Hello and welcome to the AfterSpark podcast, an episode-by-episode recap of the Generation 1 Transformers cartoon. I'm Els. And I'm Specs. Today we're going to be talking about episode number two, More Than Meets the Eye, part two. Let's talk about giant robots today, shall we? Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. Last time on the Transformers, if you remember, because presumably you listened to us talk about how giant advanced robots clearly can't see a planet coming. Mm-hmm. The Autobots and Decepticons have crash-landed on Earth and have re-engaged in their eons-long fight of good versus evil. <laughs> and we open back on the oil rig where we left last time, and everything is on fire. Yep. Cue various Autobots and humans stuck among the oil rig wreckage. Which by we mean stuck, I mean giant robots are being somehow stuck by flimsy little pieces of metal compared to them. Somehow trapped. They are unable to lift this. I don't know. I don't know either. Anyway, so then everything's on fire. I believe I mentioned that. Uh, And they decide to put fire out by shooting at it. And it works somehow. I mean... The Autobots would obviously make bank if they could mass produce Wheeljack's fire suppression system because he just like does one pass and just like a foam. A foam and all the flame goes out. And this was not a small fire because oil rake. Yeah, I mean, I guess this is how he prevents his own lab fires from getting out of control. Which would make sense or the Ark should have exploded long, long, long ago. Or Iacon. Or Iacon. Probably Iacon. So then we've got to save the squishies, uh, and Optimus suddenly forgets how to swim. With the meager, meager weight of two humans. Which are Sparkplug and uh, Spike, right? Yep. And then he's got to be rescued by Jazz's grappling hook, which will show up a couple of times in this epi- in the, like the next couple of episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, so then the Autobots bring the two back to the oil rig and proceed to imprint upon the first squishies they see. Optimus Prime proceeds to give Sparkplug and Spike what I can only describe as the Autobots elevator pitch of we're the good guys, we're fighting the bad guys. We've been fighting the bad guys for freaking ever. (laughs) Pretty much. And then the the humans are like, we know more about Earth than you do. And that's basically the excuse used for literally every other human character that shows up in any other series. Unfortunately. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. There are good human characters, but then there are bad ones. I'm thinking of the bad ones right now. (laughs) So the Autobots, imprinting upon their squishies, clearly bring them back to their base, and we see Spike monologuing to himself as he writes in his diary. Yeah. It then cuts to Soundwave (laughs) as he creeps on a 16-year-old boy, who, as I repeat, writing in his diary. (laughs) Yep. And while Spike is, Spike, while he's outside an alien base, decides to pick up technology, aka this super fancy boombox, which is Soundwave, admittedly, that he doesn't recognize and brings it inside. (laughs) Which I can only assume that Soundwave, when trying to think of a plan to get into the Autobot base, said to himself, oh wait, I know how to get in here by doing absolutely nothing. And he actually does this multiple times in it. Like, he does this in the Marvel comics, too. He uses, like, two workers to get, like, he's, he's just waiting in a parking lot, and one of them's like, here's this really cool 8-track tape player. I'm gonna pick it up, 
take it past all of these guns and all of these soldiers with guns and I'm going to stick it in my locker. <laughs> <laughs> and then the locker explodes later, right? <laughs> yes, yes it does. And Soundwave unleashes his cassettes and like he broadcasts the the transmission of him doing all of this stuff in this base. <laughs> For, you know, psychological warfare purposes, I guess. Okay. But that's that's where that really great like contrapposto oh, gotcha. panel of Soundwave came from. <laughs> but yeah, Soundwave. Soundwave is totally big on very disguises that don't take a whole lot of effort. And apparently this is just one of his main hobbies or ta- tactics. I, I guess. mean, if it works, I can't even blame him. <laughs> I mean, we've got two examples out of two pieces of media, so I guess it works. Well, I know he does it in the IDW comics, too. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, true. I read that. I know he does. So, true. yeah. Oh, God. And I think they do about the same thing in the movies, but it's with Frenzy. Yes. Yeah, that's how Frenzy. Something like that. That's how Frenzy gets on the president's plane or whatever. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I don't think I realized that was Frenzy. I'm going to completely delete that from my brain now. Moving on. At least I'm pretty sure it's Frenzy. But yeah, let's get back on business. And so Spike wants to know more about the Autobots and Cybertron. And so the Autobots decide to show off for their new their new buddy, their new pet, um, I guess. And uh, the Autobots are like, wow, Earth is really pretty. And I swear to God, Spike's just like, yeah, yeah, Earth is nice. But tell me more about your awesome alien planet. Pretty much, pretty much. He's, he's super impressed with, with Hound's hologram projector. And then... <laughs> I think you mean hologram. Hologram. This will be a theme? Probably, yeah. And then Hound takes Spike for the ride of his life. <sighs> why Why are all the robots in this episode so inappropriate to Spike? I don't understand. We've got Soundwave, we've got Hound, it'll be Hound again later. <laughs> I don't think, I don't think Hound's intending to be, it's just the subtext. Except that, yeah, that screenshot from later is definitely one of the classics. Yeah. But they go to see a lovely sunset on this ride. I mean, it's truly beautiful. It's lovely. And then they get back. So Soundwave, now being inside the Autobot base because Spike brought him in the front freaking door. <laughs> and just left him there without telling anyone. Right, not like, I'm gonna take this home, I'm just gonna leave this over here for no fucking reason. Anyway, Soundwave transforms back into robot mode and ejects Ravage, who turns into a panther and then turns back into a cassette tape and hops into the Autobot's computer to steal information as a cassette tape. Which, yes, I know, I know some older computers did this, but dear lord, I didn't grow up during that time period. So, at this point in time, in the year of our lord, 2018, it's just fucking ridiculous because I have no context. (laughs) Neither do I, oh my god. And then Spike and Hound have come back, and Spike catches Soundwave stealing information, and he strikes a pose. Draw me like one of your French girls, Soundwave. Such contrapasto. I mean, he's like a model. It's very pretty. So, Soundwave and Ravage now try to make their escape. The Autobots capture Ravage. Except, like, the first two times they kind of can't. Or at least too many bots can't. They catch him eventually, though. Yeah, after they make people turn on their headlights and their infrared. Yeah. So, then we cut back to the Decepticons, because Soundwave has clearly returned. As they gather around Soundwave, who's playing a cassette tape that I presume is not ravaged because he's been captured, for their Earth history lesson. And and they're glued to the radio like a 1940s family, listening to the president's fireside chats. (laughs) Only, you know, they're all giant robots. And one of them is a warlord. 
And one of them's the cassette deck. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so uh, Starscream says something stupid. Don't remember what it was. All I remember is that at some point during the scene, Megatron is like, your knowledge is only overshadowed by your stupidity, Starscream. Because, of course, he does. Um, and after listening to all the, the, like, Earth history lesson from Soundwave, Megatron's brilliant scheme is to steal energy from a power plant. By making a tidal wave hit a dam. That's not how that works. (laughs) I don't know how he expects any of this to work. I really, truly do not. Because, of course, the tidal wave's going to destroy the dam. And how do you get the energy? And I don't know. But I did really like Soundwave's sort of descriptive hand motions for that. I mean, that was was quite nice. (laughs) Soundwave dispatches Rumble to start a tidal wave. Of which... By the way, Soundwave just shouldn't be allowed to come up with operation names because he literally ejects him from his cake depth going, Operation Tidal Wave, which just sounds completely freaking ridiculous. Yep, and Rumble basically gets to be a dick to dance. (laughs) The Autobots notice something's going on, so they're going to go investigate. And then we cut back, so we basically cut from the Decepticons to the Autobots back to the dam, and the dam begins to fall apart from, like, the force of the water. Mm-hmm. And one of the humans hits a malfunctioning readout. Like, that'll make it work better. Definitely. Definitely. That's how you fix everything. You just hit it. <laughs> Percussive maintenance. It's a thing. The Decepticons attack. Uh, Megatron announcing himself only as only he can. And by attack, I mean they burst through the wall like the goddamn Kool-Aid man. And then Megatron shoots the ceiling because he can. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's Megatron, and and the dam is, as this happens, the dam is crumbling because somehow Rumble's <laughs> attack is well, whatever the hell he's doing is apparently working. I mean, maybe it's just destabilizing the dam concrete. I have no idea, but I swear it was the same shot as like the previous one of the dam crumbling. It was just like we're gonna show this again. Hey, they have to save some money, so yeah. So then. One of the humans explains to Megatron that the dam is going to literally explode. And Megatron is happy about this because the electricity output is going to be at its peak. And, well, I mean, the human that's talking to Megatron, he either super cares about his work or he just does not give a shit about how squishy he is. Because again, 40 foot robot or 30 foot or however fucking tall Megatron is. He's very tall. Anyway, I would like you to stop for a moment and say, how is any of this? That's not how dams work. At all. Ever. I I guess we have to forgive the alien overlord for not understanding Earth shit for a little while. Yeah, they probably don't have water on Cybertron. Maybe something else. I don't know. I don't know. There's the Sea of Rust. I think there's a Mercury Sea. It's been a while since I've actually looked at any of my, uh, the books. Yeah, I don't actually know. Uh, so, the Autobots show up. By flying to the rescue. Question mark, question mark, question mark. This will not be consistent. Later in the series, they make it relatively clear that only the Decepticons are able to fly. So, yeah, yeah. this is fun. Yeah, with the exception of Swoop, Skyfire, and Sideswipe's Jetpack. <laughs> we'll get to that. So how do you go swimming uh, to try to get Rumble? And then Ironhide and Bumblebee attempt to channel the water by shooting at the ground using Ironhide's butt beat. <laughs> I mean, trunk gun! <laughs> oh, butt beam! Butt beam! Oh, butt beam! 
even though the channels cannot possibly be that deep. I mean, it's a valid... It's a valid strategy, but I don't understand how it would work, because they're just like... It's sending things off at sort of weird right angles. It just... It doesn't look very effective. Yes. <laughs> That's the word I'm looking for. But anyway, it works. Somehow. The special ground penetrating laser. <laughs> His butt. <laughs> penetrating laser. Oh no, maybe it's the same damn laser that comes out of his back later. Uh, body parts are weird. <laughs> the Autobots go to attack the dam, which is where, or the power plant in the dam, whatever, where the Decepticons are now. And they blast through a wall door or something. Anyway, the point of this is... I think it was already open. Oh, okay, well, we see it, them shooting at what can only be described as Starscream and his mini-me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they, uh, there were lots and lots of animation errors. There's about to be more! <laughs> so, we then cut to a shot that includes four reflectors, three rumbles, and sound blaster. Allow me to break this down for why this does not work. There are only three reflectors. They're the, the three little guys that turn into the camera. Uh, Rumble is in the water, and there's only one of him. Sound Blaster doesn't even show up in Generation 1, but he's basically the upgrade of Soundwave, um, and is basically just black. So they color Sound Blaster black for their shots. Yeah, and I mean, maybe you go back and rewatch this bit to confirm confirm it, and the Starscream mini-me was kind of hilarious, because your reaction... <laughs> basically was, what the hell am I looking at? And how do you fuck up this badly? <laughs> There's surprisingly versatile at fucking up really badly. Oh yeah, Sound Blaster's gonna show up multiple freaking times because apparently we can't color sound wave right. And then Megatron, or Optimus Prime comes busted in and I swear to God, he tells Megatron the Cybertronian equivalent of to fuck off. <laughs> and it's beautiful. <laughs> yep. And then battle breaks out. There's some elegant gymnastics by Mirage as he battles against, I think, Skywarp and Thundercracker. All I know is he's, like, flipping all over the place. <laughs> yep, it's a true 10 out of 10 and completely ignores that these weirdos could fly, like, five minutes ago. Because <laughs> they're on this catwalk! <laughs> and they're all fine, but, but they don't seem to attempt to fly? Yes, because, like, Mirage gets knocked off, he grabs hold of it and does some fancy-ass backflips back on and then tosses some other person off and it's like, yeah. So then Optimus Prime pursues Megatron, and Megatron Mufasa's Optimus Prime, or at least tries to, because if you'll remember, like a shot ago or two, Optimus Prime was flying. They were all flying! And everyone's going to forget that for like three minutes because they're idiots. Yep, and Optimus gets to channel some awesome John Wayne. He does sound very area. John Wayne-ish here. So Starscream shows up with a slingshot to a gunfight, but and instead of targeting anyone, he just shoots it at the machinery. And it works, kind of? It's, I don't know what's going on here. It sets off some sort of chain reaction, I think, and Megatron is, like, kind of pissed about it. When is he not pissed at Starscream, I think, is the better question here. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Anyway, so we cut to Megatron and Optimus Prime. Um... On top of the dam, doing a cunning impersonation of the Rock'em Sock'em robots. They, they truly do. They're just Rock'em Sock'em roboting it up, man. And bonking each other on top of the head. 
So much bonk. So much bonk. It's like the only damn sound effect that they paid the Foley artist for, and they were like, this will work for everything. <laughs> we have to use it for everything. We've only got this one sound effect. Um, so then we get to some quality dialogue between Optimus Prime and Megatron, with Optimus being like, you destroy everything you touch, Megatron! And Megatron giving one of my favorite lines I've ever heard him say, which is, everything I touch is food for my hunger, my hunger for power! And I'm just like, what the hell am I listening to? <laughs> yeah, and then Meg Meg's an op fight with weapons that never really show up again, though they do show up in toys that get sold. Toys, uh, they also show up to some degree in uh, in some of the games later. Mm. Like, Optimus very frequently is using an axe in the games. Oh, and I think that they might show up in the movie. They, they might. might. I don't it's know. It's been a while since I've watched that. I try to forget I did. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're talking about the cartoon or the... Michael um, Bay movie. Or do you want to forget both? Them? All of them? <laughs> Anyways, we cut back to Hound, who has been underwater too long, apparently. And so um, and Spike so is getting married. <laughs> so he decides that he's going to dive down and help, like, his friend, the 20-foot-tall giant robot. Right, but before that, Hound and Rumble are fighting underwater, which mm -hmm. basically means Hound ends up with a bunch of rocks on top of him. Somehow. And Megatron... Finally knocks Optimus Prime off the dam, <laughs> and then he hella flails the fuck out of there. By this I mean he's swinging the flail above his head as he, like, flies off the dam, so it just sort of looks like he's flying through the power of hella flailing. Ah, <laughs> oh, the hella flail, the good old hella flail. <laughs> we never see it again. <laughs> yeah, and then Prime can't swim again. It's like water's his greatest enemy, and Jazz needs to rescue him again. Just because so Optimus is failing at the doggy paddle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he just he just fucking fails. <laughs> oh my god. So Spike finally reaches Hound, who's stuck under rocks, and uh, he moves a rock underwater in this really, really strong current. I don't know how any of this works. Spike is superhuman. <laughs> god. I'd almost say he's techno-organic, like, sorry, but... <laughs> <laughs> nope, nope, we're several series off from that. <laughs> yeah, and I mean... Yeah, it wouldn't work anyway, but I don't know. Maybe someone's written fanfiction about it. I mean, would it make some amount of sense? Yeah, Possibly. I mean, Sparkplug's like the world's most interesting man. <laughs> I built a robot in my youth. Totally. This is my son. Although it does kind of beg the question why he would be named Sparkplug and his son would be named Spike, but whatever. Anyway, so... uh. It, Spike saves Hound. Um, Hound proceeds to give Spike a suggestive back massage to say thank you. <laughs> well, after lifting him to the surface because Spike was like, I need air. You like, know, there those were, hand motions. There were hand gestures involved. <laughs> and yeah, this is like the one of the classic suggestive screenshots this fandom is sort of, maybe not famous for, but it's like one of the one of the classic ones, if you go look for, you know, suggestive screenshots. I would like to take a moment to remind you, all of the robots are being inappropriate to Spike here. <laughs> Please make them stop. Spike needs an adult. A real adult, not a fucking robot. <laughs> anyway, we cut to the Decepticons, stealing energy from various locations. Uh, Soundwave is Sound Blaster again. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a whole bunch of Seekers, I have no idea who they are. Uh, they're all over the place. There's one shot where it's like, are they stealing from trees? There doesn't seem to be an energy source here, but okay. There's 
yeah, there's a lot of inconsistency running around, and it's not very clear. <laughs> it really isn't. And we'll never see any of these other seekers again. I no. don't think. Just... Well, I think they might pop up in the back of, like, other shots. Maybe, but it's never explained. It's never so... explained. It seemed pretty clear, like, how many Decepticons Megatron had with him, and then all these other ones, random ones pop up, and we're like, where are these coming from? Why are there duplicates? <laughs> yeah, that too. Why are there three rumbles? <clears throat> Four rumbles, actually, if we consider that one of them is underwater. True. So, uh, Starscream gets the brilliant idea of shooting rocks rather inefficiently, uh, making his spouse mad, I mean his boss. And he's doing, well, he's doing super questionable science, because, I mean, I don't see him writing anything down, which, I mean, this is relevant in future episodes where it's revealed Starscream was a scientist and explorer. You would think this would mean he'd know how to science, but we don't really see him science very often. So, while the Decepticons are arguing, uh, Trailbreaker is spying on them, I mean jacking into Megatron's brainwaves again, and uh, Spuckplug and Spike are in tow for some reason. Hound and Trailbreaker are just super good at overhearing things with their little radio dishes. You, you think there would be like a blocker or the Decepticons would have a blocker for this? Or, and or the Decepticons would utilize a similar technique, but they don't. They usually just send in a laser beak. <laughs> hey, he's versatile. Yes. <laughs> and, and, I mean, Mirage is the spy. We don't really see him eavesdropping on the Decepticons, but you did make a good point, which is that he turns invisible, so... <laughs> yeah, well, he can turn invisible, so maybe we wouldn't see him. Uh, Megatron and Starscream continue to squabble some more, uh, at which point Megatron's like, Assemble the Strike Force! Or at least I think that was Megatron. And we waste a perfect chance for a Decepticon roll call. Waste! Absolutely wasted. And then the Decepticons are on the move, attacking Trailbreaker and the Witwickies. Because that's what you do when you're giant alien robots who are also evil. And then Sunstreaker and Sideswipe arrive to help chase the Decepticon Seekers off. Basically by uh, sort of ending up on either side of Trailbreaker and then Sunstreaker's butt gun comes out. <laughs> There's a lot of butt guns in this show! What the hell?! Trunk gun, trunk gun, trunk gun. <laughs> and it's like Sunstreaker and Sideswipe's breakout characterization moment where Sunstreaker's I want to be pretty. <laughs> Stuff comes out and Sideswipe's just like, everything's a joke. Turn left. Only make left-hand turns or right-hand turns or whatever. The Decepticons are now mining rubies and making energon cubes from them. Somehow, yes. Somehow. But this gets better because suddenly we cut to Megatron, who, while talking about these rubies, proceeds to shower himself with the rubies. Not once, but twice. Mm -hmm. As I said, rubies are a warlord's best friend. And, and I wrote a haiku. <laughs> yes! <laughs> rubies glitter in a warlord's eye. Fly they must to please fiendish mind. So then we come back to the Autobots... Everything is wrong with this shot. There's everything. So much. Ratchet's head isn't colored in. And then, then Bumblebee's out front, but... Also, there's another Autobot, which we think is Blue Streak, with Bumblebee's head. And by head, I mean it's colored yellow. And then Ironhide, for some inexplicable reason, is topless. And by topless, I mean he's colored the wrong color. But it makes him look like he's topless. He's gray. He's, his, his chest is colored gray. So he looks like he's just, like, unpainted. <laughs> Which is probably the Cybertronian equivalent of being topless, unless 
having your armor taken off as a Cybertron equivalent. So Bumblebee and Sparkplug are basically picked to infiltrate the mind to blow it up. Uh, Sparkplug has worked here too, apparently. He's the world's most interesting man. I mean, we came to that conclusion with, hey, he's done oil rigs, he's worked here. Where else has he worked? Has he been a Secret Service agent? I wouldn't doubt it, <laughs> considering. Yeah, I mean, Sp comic Sparkplug just owns an auto shop. Cartoon Sparkplug is the uh, he's the action dude. <laughs> he's the action hero. <laughs> so basically, while they're trying to sneak in, we see the Seekers, and they're basically just talking about how they want to go home. Muffle boys. Uh, the explosion is set, but then Thundercracker and Skywarp block the exit and bully the bee again! <laughs> With much bonk, because... Again, yeah. it's the only sound effect they paid for. <laughs> yeah. So then Optimus sends in Roller, which is like his little baby tiny robot that lives in his trailer. And he sends Roller in after Bumblebee and... Uh, Sparkplug. Thank you. Uh, and then explosions happen because of that uh that highly technical explosive that they got from real jack which that... was set to go off in 60 seconds which yes. doesn't seem like enough time well you'd think that bumblebee would be better at infiltrating things considering that in like most of the other generations he's actually considered to be part of the the infiltration team or something so Shit explodes. Uh, the Decepticons are buried, uh, and this knocks Optimus Prime off a hill, which is where the episode ends. The next episode, uh, we shall get to illusions, Michael! Optimus Prime nearly dying, Purple Spaceship the second, and robots in space! Kind of. Kind of. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah. Yeah. Shenanigans will ensue. Many shenanigans, and also the world's most surprising parachute. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Alright, Specs, what is a fanfic for the week? Okay, well, our two fanfiction recommendations for the week are The Grunt's Guide to Warfare by Tyria King, which is set in the G1 cartoon continuity, rated T. It's Gen, so there aren't any pairings, and the characters are the G1 cast. The summary is G1. Some things are universal throughout the galaxy, the rules of warfare being some of them. If you wish to be a proper soldier, you must learn these very important laws and incorporate them throughout your daily life. And so the uh, character or theme wreck for this one was Murphy's Law, because so much goes wrong in this episode. <laughs> Just so much goes on in this episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then our second recommendation for today is Earth Studies 101 by Vero which is a G1 alternate universe, rated T, in no pairings, so it's Jen. Uh, the main characters are an OC, so Evelyn, and uh, the G1 cast. So it's in summary, it's a Transformers AU, it's a Sparkbearer side story, and if you were listening last week, I recommended the first part, which is Transformers juxtaposition. So to continue the summary, Professor Evelyn Hughes is accustomed to teaching linguistics, but when one is friends with a crew of giant alien robots, one must be prepared to teach lessons of a very different sort. Drabbles and one-shots. And the theme for this one was, we know Earth better than you. That quote. <laughs> <laughs> we'll live in infamy. <laughs> it will. But so those are our recommendations for today. I hope you enjoy them. I mean, review the fix and let the authors know that you liked it. I think we're going to be doing fan art every other episode since we're doing artists instead of stories, and it's just less of them overall. 
And that just about wraps it up for us today. Remember to check out our Tumblr at afterspark-podcast.tumblr.com for any additional information, show notes, or links we may have mentioned. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at AfterSparkPod, all one word, and SoundCloud and YouTube at AfterSparkPodcast. Till next time, I'm Els. And I'm Specs. And come back, and we'll talk to you more about giant robots. Doodles.